You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Sovereign Lord, teach us to cast our hope on You, who alone will bring us home and make all things new. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, it seems like there's two programs which are getting everyone through stage four lockdown. For some of us, it's the Korean drama, It's Okay to Not Be Okay. And for others, well, it's a little bit different. It's the Premier's Daily Media Conference. You see, every day, thousands of Victorians watch Daniel Andrews update us on the latest COVID case numbers. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in every conference, he'll always repeat the same messages. Staying apart keeps us together. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. You see, he's repeating these messages to tell us how to live in lockdown. And as we parachute into Jeremiah 29 today, we find Judah not locked down in Melbourne, but locked out of Jerusalem. And the prophet Jeremiah has a message for them. Just like Daniel Andrews, he wants to tell them how to live, not in lockdown, but in lockout. Three weeks ago, uh, we saw that the once great kingdom of Israel was ripped apart by Solomon's lust. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. We witnessed that great tragedy of Israel abandoning their God. And so... God abandons them. He sends Assyria to wipe out the northern kingdom. And today, our camera pans south as we look at Judah, the last hope of God's people. But you see, what we find is not a picture of hope. What we find is a portrait of utter hopelessness. Judah is exiled in Babylon. What remains of God's people are kicked out of his kingdom and they live now under the rule of a pagan king. You see, Daniel Andrews, he sends messages to a state in lockdown. Well, here in verse 3, the prophet Jeremiah sends a message to a kingdom locked out. And this is his message. Judgment now, freedom later. Judgment now, freedom later. And his message has three key parts. Number one, you're in it for the long haul. Number two, I will get you through this. And number three, don't listen to fake news. Act nine, exile. Well, message number one, you're in it for the long haul. I don't know about you, but it feels like lockdown is lasting forever. I remember back in late May, everyone was saying that we'd be out of lockdown by early July. And you you see, as that curve was flattening, we were riding a wave of optimism. We all thought, this won't take too long, so what did we do? We hit the pause button on life, didn't we? We put off major life decisions because we all thought, we'll be out before we know it. But as the weeks passed, the public messages changed. Melbourne, we're in it for the long haul, so get on with life. Back in Jeremiah 28, prophets like Hananiah are telling the people of Judah, guys, don't worry, 
will be out of exile in just two years. But in verses 4 to 9 here, God is giving Judah a reality check. You're in it for the long haul. In verse 4, he's reminding Judah that he alone is responsible for the exile. Not Nebuchadnezzar, not Babylon, but me, Yahweh, the Lord of armies, the God of Israel. You see, Judah, I locked you out because you sinned against me. Don't think that your judgment will be light because your sin certainly isn't. No, your judgment is great because your sin is great. So settle down, unpack your bags, and get on with life because you ain't going anywhere. I mean, that's the point of verses 5 and 6, right? It's pretty funny because when you read these verses, they sound almost positive. They sound like this tourism video ad to attract people to live in Singapore. Build your HDB house and live in it. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. But this is no positive message of hope. No, this is a message of judgment. You see, God isn't saying, settle down. He's saying, settle down. Because you ain't going anywhere. Don't think that exile is over in just two years. No, your sin is far greater than that. And so is your judgment. It's judgment now. So get used to living in Babylon. But as you live in Babylon, live as my people. Hence the command in verse 6, multiply there, do not decrease. Friends, can you hear an echo of God's command to Adam? Be fruitful and multiply. Can you hear an echo of his promise to Abraham? I will multiply you greatly. You see, as you live in the kingdom of Babylon, live as the kingdom of God. Live in the city of man, but live as the city of God. You see, Judah, your sin is great, so your exile is long. So get on with living in exile. But as you do, live and multiply as my people. And one way of doing that is set out there right in verse 7. Pursue the well-being of the city I've deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. Or, according to the NIV or Tim Keller, seek the welfare of the city. Now, friends, let me be very, very clear about this. This verse is not about Christian mission in the world. This verse is not about Christian engagement with society. And this verse is not about the value of our secular work, valuable though it may be. No, verse 7 has a very simple message. It's simply saying, Babylon's prosperity will preserve God's people. Babylon's prosperity will preserve God's people. Let me put it this way, right? The great risk for Judah is to think that because the exile is short, well, they don't need to serve their city. Think about it, right? If we're out of here in two years, stuff Babylon. It's like that one month notice period before you leave your employer. It's easy to think, well, I'm out of here in just four weeks. So why put any effort into this place? Well, friends, that's exactly what Judah is thinking. We're out of here in just two years. So why put any effort into this city? 
Do you see their risk? Judah risks withdrawing from their world. But the joke's on them because they've got another 70 years. You see, it's judgment not just now, but judgment for seven more decades. And if they live with one foot out the door, if they neglect their city, well, then Babylon will suffer. And so will they. It's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, God doesn't say, pursue the well-being of the city in order to love your neighbor. God doesn't say, pursue the well-being of your city even to be a good gospel witness. No, he says, pursue the well-being of the city, for when it thrives, you will thrive. You see, one reason to care for our city, one reason to engage with our world, is simple and brutally pragmatic. You see, we want to be free to live as God's kingdom in this world. We want to be free to live as God's kingdom in this world. Imagine with me for a moment. Just imagine if every Christian in Melbourne said, well, who cares about the COVID lockdowns? Jesus is returning. I know where I'm going. So stuff this world. But the joke's on us, isn't it? Because we don't know when the Lord Jesus will return. And as far as I can tell, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. You see, if every Christian in Melbourne had that attitude, our city would suffer, wouldn't it? Thousands of Christians would be spreading the virus around our city. And if Melbourne suffers, then so will we. Because we won't be able to physically regather as the people of God. You know, you might wonder, why do we pray for our premier and government? Why do we wear face coverings and obey lockdown restrictions? I mean, if we belong to the world to come, then who cares about this world? No, we do these things not just to love our neighbor. We do these things not even just to be a good gospel witness, important though that is. No, we do this because we want to be free to live as God's kingdom in this world. I mean, guys, I don't know about you, but... I want us to physically regather as soon as we can. But that will only happen if our city is safe. You see, when our city is safe, we can gather as the people of God. We live as the city of God, but don't forget we still live in the city of man. And this world affects how we live as the people of God. So brothers and sisters, live as the city of God and live in the city of man. If you're a young Christian, you might wonder, does belonging to Jesus mean that I need to step back from this world? Does it mean that I need to neglect and ignore the world around me? Well, the answer is a clear no. Don't step back from this world, because its welfare affects our welfare. When it thrives, we thrive. But as you live in this world, Do not live as this world. Live in this world as the people of God. So pray for our city. Work for its good. So that we might be free to live as God's kingdom in this world. Why? Because we're in it for the long haul. Message number two. I will get you through this. Well, you've got to wonder what the exiles must feel when they hear Jeremiah's message. It's not the most positive message, is it? 
They might feel a bit like some of us as how optimism just gives way to despair with our lockdown dragging on and on and on. Isn't it so easy for us to lose hope? It's why you'll often hear politicians say something like, we will get through this. They're trying to inject hope. A German theologian, Jürgen Moltmann, writes this, Totally without hope, one cannot live. To live without hope is to cease to live. And so God speaks to Judah and he doesn't say we will get through this. He says, I will get you through this. Judgment today, but freedom tomorrow. And what follows is one of the most cherished Bible verses printed on countless posters and embroidered on countless patches. Here it is, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. It's beautiful, isn't it? But if we take this verse out of context, we may just think, that the Christian life is trouble-free. We may even think that God's plan is for our financial prosperity or our career success. Now, friends, look, if this, if this is your life verse, I, I am, I'm really sorry because I'm about to burst your bubble. This promise is not to you. This promise is not to you. It is a promise to Judah in exile. And even if it is, I mean, verse 10 promises judgment, now freedom later. So if someone gives you this verse, well, they're not just saying you're going to live a good life. They're they're wishing you 70 years of exile first. No, friends, this is God's promise to Judah. But my gosh, it's a remarkable promise, isn't it? In verse 14, I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. Can you see the future that God has in store for Judah? It is a future of redemption, restoration and reconciliation. Redemption out of exile in Babylon. Restoration to the city of God in Jerusalem. And reconciliation with God as their king. God is telling his people, I will bring hope out of hopelessness. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And believe it or not, my plan includes your exile, but it will not end with your exile. Judgment will not be the last chapter of your story. A day is coming when I will bring you home. The day on which I will redeem you out of exile, restore you to the kingdom and reconcile you with myself. You see, God is calling Judah to hold on to that promise and then to look forward, to look forward to the day on which he will bring them home. Now, this promise might not be to us, but it still does mean something for us today. You see, this promise assures us that God brings hope out of hopelessness. It reminds us, friends, that we are not a people without hope. As Christians, God is calling us to look not forward, but back on the day on which he already kept this very promise to Judah. 
You see, in his death, Jesus has brought us home to God. He has already redeemed us, not out of Babylon, but out of sin. He's restored us, not to Jerusalem, but to heaven itself. And he has reconciled us with God, not just as our king, but as our father. Friends, look back at the cross where God has kept his promise to bring his people home. And now we've looked back. We can now look forward to the day on which God will fulfill that promise by bringing our home to us. You see, for Judah, their story was judgment now, freedom later. But for us Christians, it's judgment then, freedom now, and hope forever. You see, friends, this is our hope. God will restore this world to everything it was meant to be. The day is coming on which the clouds of depression will lift. Anxiety will be but a distant memory. And our hope, our hope will give way to sight. Everything that we hope for today, we will then enjoy. Far out. I can't wait for that day. Can you? I mean, we live in a world of hopelessness, but we are not a people without hope. And all we have to do to receive that hope is to call on God, pray to Him and seek Him with all our heart. And see, friends, if you're going to embroider any verse in this passage or print it out on any fridge magnet, please don't make it seek the welfare of the city. Don't make it for I know the plans I have for you. No, make it this. Make it verses 12 and 13. Print this. You will call to me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. You see, friends, God promises to answer anyone, anyone who calls on him. If you're not a Christian, let me ask, uh, what's your hope in this hopeless world. I mean, come on, right? Anyone can see right now how hopeless our world is. And it's not just because of COVID. I mean, COVID merely reveals the hopelessness that was already there. I mean, if you hope in your health, well, that's gone. If you hope in your control over your life, well, show me one person who's really in control of anything right now. If you're not a Christian, I wonder, whatever you hope in, Will it truly last? My dear friend, God is offering you a hope that will last for an eternity. And all you have to do is seek God with all your heart. You see, you might think that God won't hear you. You might think that he's so far away, so distant. You might think he doesn't even care. But here's a promise you can take to the bank. If you call on God, he will listen. If you seek him, you will find him. If you call out, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will give you a hope, not just for the future, but forever. I will get you through this. So call on me. Lastly, don't listen 
to fake news. Don't listen to fake news. Well, it seems like Karen from Bunnings has become public enemy number one. Uh, if you don't know Karen, firstly, that's not her real name. Uh, and secondly, she's that conspiracy theorist who refused to wear a face mask at Bunnings. I don't know if you know, there's actually a group of conspiracy theorists just like her who meet in Cranbourne every Saturday night. Uh, they get together to discuss the COVID conspiracy, the 5G network and the deep state. I mean, this would all be pretty funny stuff if it wasn't so serious. It's not just that Karen is unhinged. No, she's dangerous. She's like a false prophet who is proclaiming there is no coronavirus. So we need to heed the warning, don't we? Don't listen to fake news like hers. You know, at this time in Jeremiah 29, running around Babylon are false prophets, just like Karen, who are proclaiming there is no judgment. Uh, back in chapter 6, before Jerusalem fell, false prophets were proclaiming peace. Peace. When there is no peace. Then you had prophets like Hananiah, who were saying that exile would only last two years. And now... In verse 21, we find another pair of false prophets, Ahab son of Kaliah and Zedekiah son of Marseah, who are prophesying a lie to you in my name. Uh, presumably, they're rehashing the conspiracy theory of Hananiah. Just like Karen, what are they doing? They are diminishing and denying the reality of judgment. They are saying, freedom now and judgment never which couldn't be more wrong. And the worst part is that Judah actually believes their lies. Look at verse 15. You, Judah, have said, the Lord has raised up prophets for us in Babylon. And by prophets, what do they mean? They mean the false prophets just like Ahab and Zedekiah. You see, Judah looks at Jerusalem and they see that a king is still on the throne. And so they think to themselves, well, I guess the throne is intact. Jerusalem is secure. Well, the prophets must be right. Judgment is nothing but a conspiracy. But God warns them in verses 8 and 9, don't listen to fake news. Because the consequences are fatal. Just imagine if Karen and the Cranbourne conspiracy theorists managed to convince more people of their lies. It's terrifying to think about, isn't it? Imagine if thousands of people think that the virus isn't real. I mean, the consequences would be fatal. I mean, that's why all of us want the police to throw the book at the conspiracy theorists, isn't it? Because if people believe that there is no coronavirus, they will die. Well, if people believe that there is no judgment, they will die. And that's why in verses 22 to 23, God does exactly that. He throws the book at Ahab and Zedekiah with a punishment that is so severe and yet so fitting. The severity of the judgment they receive is the severity of the judgment they deny. We see that in verses 17 to 19, God will judge the remaining Israelites in Jerusalem. He will punish them with a sword, famine and plague. And he would chuck them out like a box of rotten fruit. You see, they are so far gone that they are good for nothing. And instead of being a blessing to the world, look at verse 18. 
I will make them a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Friends, we need to reckon with the reality of judgment. We need to reckon with the reality of judgment. We cannot listen to the fake news that says judgment is not real. I mean, it's so much worse than the conspiracy theories of the anti-vaxxers and the Karens of our city. It's only when we reckon with judgment that we can receive freedom now and hope forever. Friends, in every age, there are so-called Christians who will diminish and deny the reality of judgment. In 2011, uh, Rob Bell wrote a book called Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived. On page 109, uh, this is what Bell writes. History is not tragic. Hell is not forever. And love, whatever that means, in the end wins. Do you hear what I hear? Peace. Peace. When there is no peace. Friends, it's not my usual practice to name names. But Jeremiah named Ahab and Zedekiah. So it's probably a wise practice to name when the Bible names and to be discreet when the Bible is discreet. Beware the preacher who never preaches judgment. And be not the Christian who never speaks of judgment. You see, we may not deny it, but we may diminish judgment so much that Jesus sounds more like a lifestyle coach than a life saviour. You see, if we call on Jesus, our story is judgment then, freedom now, hope forever. But the truth is, the harsh and brutal reality is this. If we reject Jesus, our story might be freedom now, but it will be judgment forever. I I get it. No one likes to talk about judgment. I don't like to talk about judgment. It feels awfully negative, doesn't it? But when the government warns us about the coronavirus, do we stop them and say, look, 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 Dan, would you mind talking just a little less about COVID? It's, it's awfully negative. No, we heed the warning because we value our physical safety. I mean, in that sense, a warning is an act of profound love. How unloving must we be to not warn someone of impending physical danger? So the question for all of us today is this. Especially if you're someone who's grown up in church but never taken God seriously. Do we value our spiritual safety as much as our physical safety? Do we value it enough to heed warnings of judgment? Do we value it enough to speak warnings of judgment? Because it's only when we reckon with judgment that we can receive freedom now and hope forever. From 1965 to 1973, at the height of the Vietnam War, US Admiral James Stockdale was held in the Hanoi Hilton. Now, just so you know, that's not a luxury hotel, but a prison camp in Vietnam. For seven years, Stockdale didn't know when he would be released or if he would be released. All he knew was that every day he would face hours of brutal torture. And yet, 
for seven long years, somehow he survived. On the 12th of February 1973, Stockdale was finally released and he made it out of Vietnam. Some years later, he was asked the question, who didn't make it? Who didn't make it out of Vietnam? And I want you to hear his answer. This is what he said. Who didn't make it? Oh, that's easy. The optimists. Oh, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas. And Christmas would come and Christmas would go. Then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter. And Easter would come and Easter would go. And then Thanksgiving and then it would be Christmas again. And they died of a broken heart. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end. It's good stuff, isn't it? Friends, Judah lived in exile as a people under judgment. We can praise God that in Christ, we Christians are not a people under judgment. But the truth is, we still live in a world under judgment. And the Apostle Peter says that our lives are still something of an exile experience. And as we live in exile, will we be blindly optimistic and neglect our city? Or will we despair at the hopelessness of our plight? No, let us do neither of the two. Instead, let us heed the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Let us confront the most brutal facts of our current reality. That we must live in this hopeless world. And yet we live as not a people without hope. Let us refuse to listen to the vain optimists who deny and diminish the judgment of God. Let us keep faith in the end of our story, that God has not only brought us home in Jesus, but one day He will bring our home to us. Brothers and sisters, let us never doubt, not only that we have been saved, but that in the end, we will prevail. Act 9. Exile. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, teach us to cast our hope on you, who alone will bring us home and make all things new. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.